Blog Talk Radio. Oh, for crying out loud. Don't cry out loud. You'll make people sad. (laughs) Wait just a second. Now I want to tell you something. Something is, we call this officially, we call the cock-a-doodle-doo. And I'm going to tell you why. Because what was supposed to happen immediately was... The intro was to come on. The intro was to come on. And, And I had done this perfectly. I just did this. I cannot believe this. This is so ridiculous. I loaded it right here into our studio. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Come on. Wait a second. I'm clicking for it to play. (laughs) All right, come on. It's unbelievable. The audio clip. We have audio clips. We have a beautiful audio clip, ladies and gentlemen, that is absolutely lovely. And what does it do when I click on it? It doesn't do. Hey, we got nut and honey. It's like that cereal, nuts and honey. Now, here's what's really interesting. I love the computer. Now, not only does it not play, but I, I, I'm having a hard time finding it. It was right here on my on my screen. And I loaded it into the studio so that it would play. All right, let's see. Let's see. Come on. We gotta get it. This has gotta happen. It's probably gonna start playing as soon as as soon as we start getting into our conversation. It'll come up and interrupt us. <laughs> oh no. You know, I am I am just not even going to pretend to understand how all this works. I mean, it's like where where could it possibly be? Doctor Triple Cook, your partner in athletics, in conversation with Richard Flint, a man who is a bird of human behavior, talking about approaching our negative environment in this world with courage, confidence, a positive mindset, and definitely. No apologies. No apologies whatsoever for me not being a technical engineer for our show. <laughs> yeah, well, what's, what's wrong with you? You want to know a little bit about everything. I do, just enough to get me into trouble. <laughs> Evidently. I can't believe it because, you know, I actually, I had it loaded. I think that the gentleman who created this for us was absolutely terrific. I couldn't find it. You know, I loaded it back into the studio here because it was playing for every show that I had. (laughs) No matter what show it was, it was you and me. All right, so here we are today. And here's what I want to ask people. You know, we call ourselves the influencers. Richard? Where are you getting your influence from? Um, talking to my stray cats out here that have eight of them that <laughs> come and play on my patio. Um, where am I getting my influence from? Yeah. Um, listening to people right now more than anything. And had a very, very interesting conversation yesterday 
with a young lady who is um, really big into trying to understand this new generation. Oh, how old is she? Uh, she's 45. Okay. But um, she really is uh, seeking to understand what they're all about today. And one of the things she was talking to me about yesterday was the concept that um, they're, they're building their own community, their own culture. And they're, they're, all, they're all about creating their own world of value. Well, how, what age group is she talking about? Um, from uh, early or late teens to late 20s. Mm-hmm. That they're not rebellious, as she says. They're just uh, creative. And they want to live in their own creative world. They don't want to be put in a box. They don't want to have to be told what to do. They don't want to have to uh, follow rules that are given to them by other people. They want to just have their own creative culture hmm. uh, where they're not interested in, uh, you know, having a house. They're not interested in a car. Um, they're interested in money, but only as a result of creativity. And, you know, they're, they want to be creatively free to do what they want to do. Well, I have, an, I have, I have a number of questions, but what do you think about that? Well, I, I think that they're really into, um, from what I can gather from her talking, and she spends hours listening and uh, and trying to figure this out. I think they're really into their own human capital. Uh, I think a lot of it comes from the resistance to what they've seen their parents go through, and they don't want to live in that, that box. Um, they don't want the house with the white fence. They don't want the financial debt. Um, they just, it, it's its almost like Deb, what they're wanting to do is be left alone and let them fly by the seat of their pants. So where is she getting all this input? What is her hours that she's spending? What does she do? On, uh, on the internet. And uh, what's this app? Uh, hang on a second. Uh, there's an app here. Clubhouse. Oh, God. Have you ever gone there? Uh, I tried. I thought it would be interesting to sign on, but you've got to be invited to go there. You can't just sign on to it. You have to have an invite from somebody who's on it. And uh, I've got the invite, um, and uh, I haven't been able to get through to get on it. But I'd like to, I'd like to go on it and hear, hear a little bit of what's going on. Because it is a, um, it, it seems like it's a new world of influencers. Uh, She's cockeyed. Okay, shake, shake your head and talk. She is completely cockeyed. First of all, Clubhouse, you don't have to be invited. You just have to download the app, and then you go in there. And I want to tell you, there's no visual. It's all audio. And it is so obnoxious. It reminds me of 40 years plus ago when I moved from Chicago out to the country, middle of 900 acres, 
I get on the phone and it's a, a five party line. <laughs> you know, you never knew what you were going to walk into. Pick up the phone. You got to make a phone call. Tough. You know, you got to convince your neighbor that you need the phone more than they do. I got invited in by uh, Steve Sambliss and Forbes Riley. I mean, these are famous people. And I was doing a project with the two of them. And I and I come walking into their room, and it was like going into a networking event where there's a 500 people in the room, only there's no lights on. You can't tell where anybody is, and it's just chatter, 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 chatter. And then they try to call to order. I I tried it three times. The first time I walked in, I thought this is way the, – the stimulation in here is way too much. I don't like having the, the audio and not the visual. Secondly, um, I went in again. And, I mean, you just hear everybody. And I I walked in and heard vile conversations. I really didn't want to hear. I had no intention or expectation of that. So wherever it is that she's traveling to in Clubhouse, it's a myth that that is new influencers. It is a lot of people who have gotten really ticked off at getting bounced off of Facebook who are our age and not so younger. So there's a whole bunch of people that have landed there, but more and more I hear people saying what I'm saying, which is, <laughs> give me Facebook, Facebook Live, YouTube, LinkedIn, yeah, no, and and you know, I'd like to, I'd like to listen to a little bit of because one of the things I asked her yesterday was, do you think this is a platform uh, for people to vent and, and uh, rebel against? And she said, no, that is, it's just people that are trying to do their own thing, whatever that thing is. You know, it's interesting because everybody walks into a situation with their perspective, and so then they develop a perspective off of where they're already at, right? I mean, I'll tell you, one of the things that I'd like to ask her, in my work with kids who are in that age group that she's describing, yeah, free as a bird. Do your own thing. Play in your own playground because, you know, you were one of the kids that was raised that your parents said nobody should get a trophy. You know, everybody should get a trophy. There shouldn't be any winner. You're all winners. And guess what? Those kids are struggling. They're they're either still in high school or they're in college and just finishing. And, oh, so, yeah, I understand your independence and your freedom. It's really nice of your parents to have afforded you me, you know, your whole family, me. By the way, how are you paying your bills? Oh yeah, oh you're paying them on your own. What 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 uh, modality are you using to pay them? Your credit card. Huh? Where are you getting the money to pay for your credit card? Oh, carte blanche. Mama and papa are financing your free life. You know. All right. And you're drinking and smoking pot and smoking cigarettes and you go out to dinner every night. <laughs> I understand part of this, Deb, because. I've got a family that I'm working with, and uh, the father comes from a culture where uh, the father is the dominant figure. Okay. Okay? And that's how he was raised. That's the culture he raised in, that the man is the dominant figure. Okay. Uh, there's two children. Um, the wife is going through a really, really interesting time in her life. 
because she was raised by a very controlling mother. Oh my! Uh, and they come from the same the same cultural background. Mm. But, uh, the father there uh, got tired of fighting with the mother, so he has just come up and just given up, and has become a passive uh, bystander. Oh my! And there are five daughters. Oh my! And the mother has raised the five daughters to all um, be very independent and very controlling. Mm, how close are they to Daddy? Um, well, Daddy has Daddy is the type of person that he has their lives planned for him, and he, <laughs> he knows exactly what he wants them to do. And uh, both of the kids are in college. Um, and the son really doesn't want to go to college. I mean, he wants to do his own thing. And his thing is he's built a, a very interesting online uh, trading business. Trading? Yeah, the stock trading. Oh, really? Yeah. And the kid is 21. And, you know, uh, he does more in stocks, like penny stocks and stuff like that. Yeah. And he's making anywhere from... Five hundred to two thousand dollars a week. Really, really. And the, the, when it comes to it, the kid is very bright. Yeah. But uh, dad doesn't see that as something that he can build his life off of. But the son feels that that's where he wants to be. He really doesn't want to go to school. His uh, his behavior towards studying proves that. Yeah. Uh. But there's all kind of internal conflict in the family right now. Uh, family uh, conflict between the husband and the wife. In fact, uh, he left a week ago, packed his stuff, and moved out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the central issue in that relationship are both of their parents. Mm. I mean, uh, <laughs> his mother is as domineering in her own way as his wife's mother. Oh, my. And both of those try to control the family. Good grief. And it's 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 interesting just to watch the dynamics. Uh, he actually, we I, I visited with both of them online, the husband and the wife, and he actually moved back home last night. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I'm anxious to see the talk to him later today about how the move back home last night went from the little email I got this morning. Uh, she was glad to see him. The kids aren't sure. Um, you know what, those darn kids. I mean, seriously, that is sinful. That is really sinful. They need to make it well known that they are glad that he's back home. He's part of that family, whether it's a patriarch or a matriarch. If they don't think that they need both mom and dad, no matter what the rift is, they need to celebrate that dad is back. I mean, unless he's abusive and screaming. and dynamics that are there. Yeah. Uh, He's he's very defined and is is really driven as to his definition of what is right and wrong for the family. Mm. So anytime there's conflict between him and the daughter or the son, the daughter and the son goes to mom, who then tells them that dad is wrong, and so, like I told them on the call when I had with just the two of them, you're not parents. You're an, an agent of confusion in the lives of your kids. You don't know what it means to be parents. Absolutely. Because parents don't demean the other parents Ever. the kids. 
ever. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh. Wow. Is did he move in under certain conditions? Like that's going to stop. That's not going to be the the communication anymore. Well, that is the understanding that we have. We'll see. Because when he said in his email this morning when he moved back, she seemed to be glad to see him. Uh, but she had had uh, a colonoscopy yesterday, so she was sort of out of it. Um, so it'll be real interesting to see how all of this fits together. And what I'm planning on doing is giving them uh, a week to readjust, and then I'm probably going to fly to Houston. Really? And I'm going to go sit with the two of them and talk to them, and then I'm going to sit with the, the four of them, mom and dad and the two kids. And, uh, I mean, they've been married for 21 years. Uh, and this is this is not something you should just throw away because, you know, he, he has just gotten tired of her wanting to control everything. Oh, yeah. And it's okay if she goes to see her parents, but she gets irate if he goes to see his parents. Oh, no, no way. Why would – now, why – what in the world? You know, here's one of the things that I've never understood is what is it that happens to people in their relationship that they think that they can demand what the other what the other is doing, especially if they, they themselves are participating in something the same on their end. Uh, it, there's a there's a lot of variances here and a lot of background here uh, for parents when the two of them got married, her parents thought she was beneath what he should marry from a socioeconomic place because she came from the wrong side of the tracks. Uh-huh. Uh, so they have, in their own way, have not accepted her. And so she is, to this day, maintains the anger and wants him to have nothing to do with his parents. Oh, no. But wants him to have everything to do with her parents. It's a sticky situation. Has anybody ever asked her, so do you really want your husband to be your brother? <laughs> well, we've, we've had some interesting conversations about how do you view your relationship. Uh, and they both say that they don't want to lose the relationship. They don't want a divorce. But uh, it's going to take some real give and taking on both parts. Wow. So... You know, and I take this back because the other thing that I was talking to this young lady about yesterday is uh, how much of the behavior of these young people is because of, you know, what they, it's two things, what they've seen their parents go through, the, you know, everything's about things. Mm-hmm. And what you have, and the other feeling like their parents are controlling their life. And this this generation of young people that have been spoiled and have been set free at an, a too early age, um, you know, they they believe that life owes them. What is it? What What is it that propels this woman or inspires her to want to sit 
in Clubhouse and what is it that prompted her desire to look at this particular part of our population? She thinks she, she thinks this is a niche where she can create her own club within Clubhouse and become an influencer to the lives of these people. Uh, her skill really is in marketing and she is a great, great person in marketing. Hmm. But what she's trying to do is create a an environment around her that she can uh, provide direction for and guidance for. That's really interesting. I, I, I will be interested to hear how that pans out and what it is that she uses as a point of attraction to get these kids interested in her. Well, I, I don't know. I've, I've known her for 10 to 12 years. Hmm. And I've watched her go through a lot of just um, unhealthy situations. Hmm. Yeah. She, you know, she's one of these people that she'll ask you for your help, and then when you seek to help her, uh, she gets angry at you for helping her. <laughs> but, but I don't need I don't need a coach in my life. I don't need someone telling me what to do. So I always ask her, then you don't need someone telling you what to do. Why are you asking me to help you? Yeah, right. What is she doing with you? Yeah. But the the help she needs is really in deeping, digging deeply into herself and facing three or four issues in her past. Uh, I mean, her biggest issue was her, her dad not loving her and uh, divorcing her mom and remarrying having three daughters, and they were his daughters, not her. Mm. And so she did everything she could to beg for his attention, and he re- he totally rejected her. And you know what that's like for a dad to reject a daughter. You know, here's one of the things that I have found. I just went through this with a family that I work with that – the daughter was completely convinced that that was her scenario, you know? And so I was working with her and dealing with, you know, she's got these behaviors that she engages in, which were very unhealthy. And, um, you know, there's a certain amount of that, that for some kids it's fashionable, right? You, you, you know, you're getting to be 19, 20, 21 years old. Yeah, I, I, I can be, I can do all the grown-up things now. I can have sex. I can drink. I can smoke. I've been driving. Okay, and I can do them all in combination at the same time. Okay. Um, and so there were just elements of what she was saying. I thought, I don't know. You know, I think that there's a little bit of a, of a twisted perception on, on, on the topic of this that I want to get into. So I asked her permission to really be able to be very open with her parents. And I found that they had a very different perspective. There was a very different reality. There were reasons for things that she had told me, and I could see the twist in the middle of them. And her parents, bless their hearts, openly said to me in one of our Zooms with the three of us, yeah, that's how we brought them into the world, and that's how we parented them. We never had any idea of what we were doing. And I said, well, hallelujah, now, you, now you've arrived. This is the class. <laughs> I'll even give you guys grades. I mean, the, the things that they were doing that they thought were loving actually made this girl feel like, 
you know, unappreciated, uncared for because her parents were raising her in that laissez-faire attitude of parenting, you know, three traditional parenting styles, autocratic, I'm the boss, shut up, don't ask questions, do what I tell you to do. Laissez-faire, it's okay, it's all groovy, just float, do whatever you want, you know, try not to do the things that are wrong. Okay, what's wrong? Well, we don't need to talk about that. You know, I mean, just so soft. I'm exaggerating both a little bit. And then in the middle, democratic, where there's clear boundaries and there's consequences, both rewards and not so much rewards, you know? Well, it's it's almost like we're going through a reinvention of the uh, the hippie era. <laughs> Only it's, you know, it's because it's all about the, the same basic thing. It's about wanting freedom, even if I don't understand what that is. And the thing that maybe today that's different is that in, in, in many ways, when it comes to a world driven by technology, mm-hmm. uh, this group of young people that are, you know, basically clubhouse members, they're, they're all driven by the, uh, by the Internet, and they're all driven by technology. And they, they, they live through technology. Well, here's what I think is really funny. In the 60s, when hippies were the thing and into the 70s, right? You know, it was beatniks in the 50s and then come the hippies and and uh, the tail end of that was the yippies. And I, I never knew what the yippies were. But it was about, you know, um, no makeup, completely natural, don't wear a bra, free sex, open you know, grow marijuana, smoke it, you know, roll it in a paper and smoke it, take pharmaceuticals off the street that are, you know, LSD and eat mushrooms and go psychedelic and and all that, listen to music and go to festivals and panhandle, panhandle and reject the values of your mother and father. Um, Okay. Well, now... (laughs) The, these, the, the, uh, I'm not going to say all, but there's an element of this, this, this age group that is, okay, well, I'm just, I'm going to get my hair done, but I'll make it look natural. And I'm going to wear makeup because, you know, I I, I want to, and, you know, I'm not going to wear a bra, but I'm going to get plastic surgery and get fake boobs so that I (laughs) I look the part of the magazine cover and, I, I am I am going to have my parents, they give me a credit card, they pay for my education, I have a car, they pay for that, I've got a phone, they pay for that, I have video games, they pay for those, I, I you know, wait a second, there's a tremendous amount of hypocrisy here, you can have a peace sign, uh, you know, and hung up on the wall in your room, and you can have a black light going, and you can be getting stoned and drinking, and and wait a second, you know, and you think that you're involved in some social movement. It's not a social movement. You're sitting there taking, you're living the socialistic life. You're, you're, you've become completely passive. You're, you've been captured. You're not free. You've been captured. If your parents cut you off that credit card, what are you going to do? You can't even put gas in your car. You have no wherewithal whatsoever. You're not creative about how to make a living. It's a myth. It's a real myth. 
And I challenge the kids that I work with. I, I you know, I use the method of inquiry with them. Well, and what she was talking about too is that their their major foundation of what they say they're fighting for is social justice. Yeah, that's such a line. It's so easy to say that social justice. And what, what is, is it? exactly what is it? Is it everyone is equal? Well, we know that everyone has the possibility to become what they want to become if they're willing to pay the price to do it. But uh, it, it's it's more about, to me, their social justice is that uh, everyone, that they should be taken care of. They shouldn't have to be accountable or responsible for their own behavior or life. That's what I'm just describing. Uh, and I think one of the things, the points you made, I think would be real interesting to do, to test out, and that is how many of these um, counterculture people, these people that are against, are actually being supported by their parents. And you, it, what, it, what I find interesting, it, there is a group out there, a, a small group, that have learned how to manipulate the minds of these young people. Oh, it's not a small group. I think it's yeah. our whole education system. Yeah, well, that's true. But that group is manipulating them away from history, where this other group is manipulating them toward the belief that they can have anything and everything they want. Yes. And that it sh- it, they should be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a pathway to socialism. It is socialism and communism, actually. Yeah, and they're, be, they're being supported. I mean, I look at things that are that are being, you know, talked about today by, by politicians, and it's it's just more and more of a move toward uh, total control and total power over people's lives. Yeah, I know, I know. But you know what? Here's the good news, and I and I and I search for this because if I I I just I have. Stop watching the news 100%. Don't even turn it on for a check-in because I get agitated. It takes me out of the zone that I work so hard to to get to and to be functional within. I turn on the news and these, these uh, they're not journalists. They're not broadcasters. They're yapping heads. And they're sitting there with a big smile on their face telling you something horrible. And, and you know, Four months ago, they were here. Now they're here, and it's light years apart in in deep contrast to what they had said previously. So everybody has forgotten. I don't forget. So I don't watch them anymore. They're not telling me anything. So I seek out what it, what is it that I'm seeing on social media? What What is it that I'm seeing in my threads? And then if I travel to other people's threads, what am I seeing? And then what's popular on, on YouTube? You know, what's really getting a lot of attention? And one of the things that I see, Richard, that I'm really proud of for our country is that there are people who are, excuse me, who are saying, you know what, I'm a loyal American. I love this country. I never said that this virus wasn't real, but it is not what it's been made out to be. And I am coming out into the world to live again. I'm hugging and embracing people. I'm meeting I'm going to restaurants, I'm going to homes, I'm having people come to my home, and I'm, and I'm reengaging into life. 
and I and I will resist. And then people are voting against the vaccine passports. Mm-hmm. And 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 people are also having a greater awareness about what are these what are these vaccines really? Well, they're not vaccines. <laughs> they're experimental pharmaceuticals where nobody has any liability. Nobody has any liability. If something happens to you from any one of the three companies or any of the companies, you have zero recourse, zero. And 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 people are starting to say, well, wait a second. If I'm going through all those steps, but I still have to practice all these these hesitancy behaviors, what's the, purpose? what's the point? Exactly. So I'm proud of people for saying that, and I'm and I'm really proud of people for looking for ways to create income in the middle of the devastation that they've had in their life. Right on America, you know, right on America. We don't need to be in the streets rioting and screaming. We just need to make our points really clear. Although some people are rioting and screaming. Well, and what's, you know, to me, that point is that um, in many ways, the rioting that we saw had eased off. Uh, and I think then that military group says, has said it's time that we bring this back. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing like in Minneapolis right now. And Minneapolis won't be the only place. It will, it will grow. What is Minneapolis doing about it? Are they sitting still again, or are they coming out and fighting it? No, they, well, number one, they don't have the police force anymore to really fight it at the level they don't want to. Uh, the governor did nationalize them, uh, the National Guard to go in uh, because they're back to one whole block in Minneapolis of stores they looted and destroyed. Uh, and, you know, the police, because they can't do anything about it, just have to stand there and watch how in the world, how in the world, how in the world bad does it have to get before all of us who know how wrong it is stand up and say this is so wrong? Well, and now there's this bill in Washington uh, that more than likely will pass where it is a law enforcement bill where the public then will now have the ability to sue the officer personally. Um, I mean, we, I, I don't know in many ways, Dan, how we can get, how we can get crazier than what we are right now. And it's, it, the thing that I find interesting is that it's not the majority, it's the minority of people. But yeah. they, they come across as being the majority of everybody. I know. Because they get the attention. If you took the attention off of them, they'd go away. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But the heavy-handedness of the requests for this education about how bad we are as white people, the demands for that to be everywhere, is just... Well, look at the demands in, Atlanta, in uh, Georgia right now. For because, what? Because, you know, they passed the bill where they've redone the voting the vote system, where, you you know, they put limitations on the uh, absent ballots and restrictions on it and laws concerning it. And now, all of a sudden, this counterculture wants everybody. They want to, they want to uh, like, Augusta, they don't want Augusta to hold the golf tournament anymore. They're putting pressure on Coca-Cola uh, and all of these major companies to rise up against. And they're just being, and, you know, they're being magnified by the media. If the media 
idea would leave them alone, it would it would die of its own self. You know, we need to do, and I and I've been thinking this a lot lately. We need to have a counter revolt. I want justice for Caucasians. That's what I want. JFC, just like KFC. <laughs> Instead of Colonel Sanders, we have Colonel Flint. <laughs> there you go. Only I want to be Supreme Commander. Okay. Supreme Commander Flint. That's it. And my my word is law. It it is. First of all, I have committed no offenses or crimes against any part of our humanity, ever. I don't use slang terms. I was taught from a young age. You don't use any of that language. You don't think it in your head. My parents never wanted it to come into my ear. Thank you, Mom and Dad. But I am not guilty. I am not of white privilege in a way that has made me an evil person. And my parents to afford me this white privilege very, very intelligently. Uh, What's wrong with the idea, Deb, that if you work hard and you work smart, you get the rewards of it. What is? What, what's wrong with that philosophy? Because that's part of what's what's out there today. You've got people who have worked real hard, and they've gotten ahead in life, and, and because I'm not where they are, um, they own me. Well, I'll tell you what part of it is, and this is a, I find this really bothersome. I think that a lot of the people who are so angry um, – you know, white people who are so angry about whiteness and are over-identifying with, with minorities, they're, they're lost somewhere. And, and so in their feeling lost, they want to have a sense of belonging. And, and the people who are in the minorities who are screaming that white people are, are horrible, you know, they seize on these people and say, you know, you could come and be with us, but you need to be apologetic. The people who are, who are screaming about that their lives matter and they want to be unique and distinct, you know, somewhere along the line, they weren't encouraged to have the confidence in the beauty of who they are so that they could build their inner strength and really be productive in what it was that they wanted to do and create. Now, people are going to hear that and they're going to say, but you don't understand. You're, you know, you're a white female. You've always gotten whatever you wanted and you don't understand that all these other people, we these other people, or those those other people, people jump up on their pathway and get in their way and thwart them from, from achieving. Hang on a second. <laughs> it, everybody has hit, everybody, everybody on the planet has been bullied by somebody somewhere at some time, been harassed by somebody somewhere at some time. True statement? Yeah, and 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 we you and what's happened too, Deb, is that we've taken systems that were created uh, out of out of pure need uh, that were right for the time, but we've made it become lifestyles for people. Yes, like the welfare system. Right, exactly. That's not empowering anybody to help people who were going through certain times in their life over a hump. Meant to be. Uh, something that you lived off of your whole life. Or that was generational. Yeah. 
That's exactly what I'm talking about. So what have we done to really empower people? That was not, that was not empowering. You know, it's only empowering when you say to people, look, that you get this much money for this amount of time and we're going to guide you on what to do to make it really grow and be productive and, and have you move out of here into what it is that's going to be really healthy and happy for you. Well, a big part of that, too, also comes to my friend Charles Bakerstaff talks about this a lot, is that the reason that government was set up was not to run, but to guide. Yeah. But government today has become that which runs our life. I'd like that to change. And, I mean, the way to change that is term limits. That's one of the big ways to change that. But that will never happen. No, because the people who are voting for it are voting against it because they don't want to be limited. Yeah. And, you know, it just, we just live in a, we live in a time where things that have been are more visible because of technology today. I mean, everything is instant today. And, you know, the, the news media has the way to turn anything into what they want it to be. And, and even if it's, that's not what was, they can, they can chop, they can, uh, they can edit. Right. They can build whatever they want you to see, whether it's facts or not. And then if it's proven it's not fact, they never apologize. Fair enough. No, because we're the media. It's interesting how how they lost sight that our role is to report the news, not to control the news. And somehow that that took a a, a rapid turn. Yeah. And not sure we can ever get back there. I think we can. See it, and it becomes. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's here's one of the things. Some, I was I was having a, a phone conversation with somebody yesterday, and and really good friend of mine, and she was saying, I just don't understand. What are we going to do to turn all this around? You know, we were talking about in our Catholic church. What irony! I mean, when you go into confession and you say to your priest, you know, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, and you, and he says, you know, what are your sins? Well, you know, I lied about this, and you know, I cheated out of a ticket, and. You know, well, and, you know, and then I've got this anxiety and, and, you know, I'm thinking maybe that might be a sin. And the priest will say, yes, yes, it is a sin because anxiety is fear that is unleashed and allowed to run free. And fear and faith can't live in the same being. Okay, great. Then how come ever since the beginning of 2020, when I go into my church, do I have to sign in, wash my hands? No holy water, mask. Communion is completely different. Our sacraments are just very, very different, limited, and we can't we can't sit by each other. We can't sing. We can't hug each other at the sign of peace. We can't love one another when we're in there. Excuse me. Is this a house of faith or is this a house of fear? This is a house of fear. And so we were talking about that, and she said, how are we ever going to get it back? I mean, we're never going to turn it around again. I said, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. 
Absolutely we will. But we've got to demand that that's what it is that happens, and we have to start it. Well, and we've got to have a movement that becomes so strong that they can tell government, stop ruling our life. Yes. Yes. Stop letting, you know, it's, it's, uh, the slogan is, in God we trust, not in politicians we trust. That's right. Because we don't trust them. Well, you know what? There, there's some movements happening, and I think that this is very interesting. I'm not talking about what side of the aisle either of us are on, because both of us, I think, agree the aisles ought to be integrated instead of this division. But I thought it was really interesting, a flash I saw on social media, that Nancy Pelosi was in an interview, and she was calling out AOC or whatever her name is. And her, her quote was, this is not a one-person show. This is not all about you. This is about a group. This is about a population in the United States of America. And I thought, really? Really? Are you getting hammered a little bit, Mrs. Pelosi? Are you, are you starting to feel like maybe you're getting subjugated to, to, to a story where now you're getting slammed for being who you are? They're no longer courting you. Because you've, uh, you've, you've helped these people who want to diminish our culture. You've helped them come into a, a risen power, a risen, a risen position of power. And now that they've arrived, they don't think they need you anymore. So they're going to clobber you. Well, and isn't it amazing how AOC and the, the other two, the squad, have sort of just faded into the background? Yeah. What's going on there? Uh, I think Nancy Pelosi is probably one of the most powerful people when it comes to politics that there is. She's more powerful than the president. Amazingly so. And you know, and you don't you don't go against her. You don't go against her. Uh, and it's amazing how she can she can take a group of people like all the, the House of Representatives. And I would believe there has to be people there that disagree with her and her direction. Mm. But they know if they vote against her, she'll punish them. And she has the power to punish them. Yeah. And, you know, it, Washington is about power. It, it's, a, it's about uh, recognition. Uh, and when Nancy Pelosi punishes you, she can turn the lights out on you. So let me ask you a question. What is it? What is it that she really wants? What is her politic? Because she's an absolute capitalist. God love her. What is it that she really wants? Is is it? Is she in her position? Okay. Is she in her position because she was so offended by former President Trump's mouth behavior, arrogance? outspokenness and tweeting because he's got a whole contingency of people who hate him for that alone. We'll look at zero, if anything accomplished and say zero sum game because of that. Is she in a rebellion against that? But what does she truly want for American people? He was not afraid to fight with her. He wasn't afraid to go after her. And if you'll notice that, uh, when, when she speaks, a lot of times people back down. He never backed down on her. And she had no idea what to do with him. And he made her 
look small. I You took the words right out of my mouth. You're right. So what was it that they had such violent arguments about that they couldn't come together? Well, they're, they're both egomaniacs. They both have to win at everything that they do. Both of them are really never wrong. And, you know, you put both. It would have been interesting if you had put Trump and Pelosi in the room, walked out and locked the door. It would have been interesting to see who walked out. You know what I you know what I pray and, and envision is that without an audience, the two of them would have come to terms and understanding about what they both want in terms of the good for the American people, which is who it is they want to lead. And why yeah, wouldn't they I have think arrived? The definition of what's good for the American people is so vastly different. See, I don't feel like I know. I don't. I don't feel like I know. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like I. I don't think we know today the purpose of what's being done. We're being fed a bunch of lies, and you know things we're being told are being exposed. You know, just like this infrastructure bill, that all of this money and. Less than what was it? Less than two to three percent of it is actually for the infrastructure for bridges, highways. The rest of it is for all new green deal stuff. And we're being we're being lied to on every front. This is why I think that the trust, and at some point, this lack of trust has got to reach a place that causes a rebellion. You know, when, when are we going to come to the place where someone says, you lied to me enough, enough is enough? Isn't there a way to just sit down with people? Well, but, you know, when you come together, you've got to have a purpose for why you're coming together. And that purpose should not be for me to win. That purpose should be for us to find resolution. How can we create a common agenda that we will commit ourselves to, not only in words, but in behavior. Uh, I think it's just amazing how lying has become the norm today. I think we, I think we, I think we need to have a meeting and invite Nancy Pelosi to it. Ask her what she wants. She, she wouldn't come. We might steal her laptop. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. Have her, on a, have her on a Zoom call. Nancy, we'd like to interview you. What is it that you want more than anything else in the world? But I wonder what she would say. And then I'd like to – and then what uh, I'd like uh, – That would be a great question. Yeah. What do you want for this country? Do you, do you want the division that's being created? And if you don't, what is your solution? How do we handle this? And then the answer will be everybody to agree with me. And what does that mean? That you're wrong. And that if you don't agree with me, you're wrong. And because you don't agree with me, if you say anything, I I will take care of you. And see, one of the things that, that I that I've arrived at is I have a lot of people that I'm asking questions to, and I'm asking them to get specific. 
like on Patch. Do you know about Patch.com on online? America Online started neighborhood newspapers online all over the country. And so I engage in them in different communities. And the rules are that you have to be kind and you have to be courteous. And and so when I'm on there and I'm and I'm posting something and I'm talking to people and they fire back, you know, nasty. Horrible comments doesn't mean I come back and I say, Come on, we're neighbors out here. And this is where we practice our neighborly kindness and thoughtful behavior. So how could you say that? How could you express yourself in a way that, you know, it doesn't make somebody feel bullied or harassed? Because you want to invite people in to hear what you have to say, right? Well, and I think we've grown to the place where we believe the greatest way to get people to shut up is to bully them. Yeah, yell and scream. Yeah, yell, scream, and threaten. Mm -hmm. I seem to be living in the middle of that. (laughs) It's gotten really old. So what's our, what is, what is our, I asked you at the beginning, what is your voice of influence? I'll tell you what my voice of influence is, is I go inside. I've had beautiful voices of influence my whole life, starting with my family and, 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 and all these, you know, experiences that I've had in my life, including you. And I, and I let them, I let them have their place in my head and in my heart. And I and I and I use my my stomach, my gut, my intuitive tummy, as I've come to call it, and bring it all together: mind, heart, gut. You know, mind and body, mind and body and spirit. And then I and then I pray and I ask for the ability to be of service to all, and harm to none, to be of benefit and not of harm. And please, dear Lord. Help me see what it is I need to see so I can somehow do something to be serving. People don't feel good. They're not thinking clearly. They're frightened. And we need to we need to write this this trajectory. We need to get on a path that's going to take us into into goodness again. We all, I believe, want goodness. It's just that some people have gotten so far away from their core and their own center of of strength that it's all cockeyed and we need for everybody to settle down and get still and remember kindness is the currency of the world and love is always a part of the solution for everything. Well, and you know, it's, it, but the grace is an interesting question. Do I want this goodness for me or for everybody? For everybody. Hmm. And if you have it in you and it's rich within you and it's really alive, it it spills out, it leaks over onto everybody in your midst. I'm really trying not to be ever uh, gritchy. <laughs> or if I am, capture myself pretty quickly. You know? I mean, come on. Let's spread the good. Well, and, you know, and I, I think capturing the good uh, – I think part of this is getting people to go back to think for themselves. Yes. And, you know, figure out what is right for my life. How do I have, how do I become that influencer? Yes. That is a positive, in a positive place in the, in the world, this little bit of the world that I touch. Yes. And you and I have talked about that all year. Mm-hmm. 
So the question is, have we achieved anything with it? And I think yes. I do too. I absolutely do. I think the communities that you and I have, have uh, created separately and the ones that I've been invited into that are yours, that are, I mean, they're glorious. You've got people opening and thinking and talking to others and spreading the word and and taking on your ideals and hearing your questions and really allowing you to invite them to think. And then we've got the Richard Flint Seminars and the Learning Center where people can go and learn all kinds of spectacular things, right? Yeah. This, this weekend, this Saturday at 10 o'clock is our, our um, April virtual seminar on uh, sharpening your listening skills, yeah. which is something I think that's uh, missing today because I think most people just want you to shut up so I can talk. Yeah, right. But, you know, if, when people ask me, what's the number one skill I need in my life to be effective? It's the ability to listen. Listen. Yeah. And listening is not always easy. No. I think I'm good at it. And sometimes I walk away and I think, ugh, I blew that. If only, you know? Yeah. Not a good thing. Okay. You're going to have a good rest of your day? I'm going to have a fabulous rest of my day. How about you? Oh, uh, you're going to have a fabulous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to have an exception. <laughs> Friends, this has been your two hosts. Dr. Deb Carlin and Richard Flint, who is just spectacular. And I, I love doing this show with you, Richard. You're so much fun. Well, it's, it, it's, it's fun. I, I like our conversations we have together. I do too. And, you know, if you'd like to know more about what I'm doing, go to Richard Flint. Okay. And and you can find Dr. Carlin. You can find her. At com. Just Google my name. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Hang on.